Welcome to Into the Wormhole. I'm Larissa Maestro, and this is my number one, Lauren Lowen. And we're going to talk about Star Trek for a while. Yes. <laughs> we have a theme. We do have a theme. This week's theme is transporter accidents, of which there are many, many, many. Many, many. So, uh, first of all, our we have what's this? What's this in front of me? This blue thing. Uh, we have a little Star Trek cocktail. Oh yeah, we're drinking. Introduce. Yeah. So if you want to make it and drink it while you're listening to this, it might make the episode uh, a little more bearable. <laughs> <laughs> well, sound a lot better. Yeah. And what did we, is Aldebaran right? Aldebaran. Aldebaran whiskey. Um, I want to give credit. This is from JoeBartender.com because uh, I don't know if you know this, but you actually can't copyright a drink recipe. So I want to oh. give I want to give credit, you know, where it's due. Um, you're so nice. Oh well, thank you. Um, in case you're wondering, <laughs> it's one cup Gatorade Frost, uh, <laughs> one cup ginger ale, and then one ounce of uh, whiskey. Your favorite whiskey. Yeah. And so part of me gave points to this because it was a unnatural kind of sci-fi as color, and then the other part of me was kind of like I've never had a Gatorade drink I kind of feel like yeah you, you gotta try it you once. gotta try it one time and to be honest like my drink when I go out is a whiskey ginger and this tastes very similar to just the drink that I had last night when I saw a, a little more artificial <laughs> yes just it tastes bluer for some reason oh you know Gatorade they have <laughs> they have like the names it's like Arctic Breeze or like Polar Bear Butt it's just <laughs> It's just like it makes no sense. You can't tell what flavor it is. You're just it like, well, like it's blue, <laughs> so it must taste blue raspberryish. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I yeah, I'd order another one of these whiskey drinks. Uh, so there's a lot of transporter accident episodes out there. There's some that are definitely more kind of noteworthy and scholarly, and we just think they're going to be tied into different episodes. Yeah, like we, we're we not going to talk about the mirror universe. I'm just going to put that out there <laughs> for all y'all that are like, ooh, transporter accidents. This means the mirror universe. No, it does not. That deserves its own thing. To, we're going to have would have to talk about Intendant Kira. You know, like we're not. That's a whole nother it's a whole yeah. other thing. So can of gawk. Where did the water can of gawk? I'll be here every day, people. <laughs> Tip your waitress. If gawk was can, ew. Anyway, uh, we just picked our top three, our favorites. These are just the ones we want to talk about. Yeah. So yeah, we chose two TNG episodes. We have second chances. Uh, we also picked Rascals, which Rascals. which we know a lot of you probably love or hate. Um, and then we have Voyager episode Tuvix, which, holy shit. Um, <laughs> Maybe one of the most divisive episodes of yeah. Star Trek that ever existed. And I kind of love because it you would think that Tuvix might be like the goofiest of the three. Yeah. But it's really not. It's the most emotional one. <laughs> Actually, two of these are from season six of yeah, next generation they're, they're really close to each other which i was surprised about but even that that episode um realm of fear with barclay and the transport all the transporter shit that happens in there that's season six it was like they were just like all right transporter episode cool another transporter episode yeah and that one we were going to talk about but then i had to be annoying being like actually i don't know if this is an accident it just <laughs> you're right and so so we picked some very scholarly episodes uh, we picked some fun ones 
So let's, um, yeah, so we're going to talk about Second Chances first. If you don't mind giving us just like a really quick run through. TNG, Season 6, Episode 24. This is the one, if you don't remember, with the second Commander Riker. The proposed title for this was Too Many Rikers! Exclamation point. <laughs> did you know that Jonathan Frakes played both Rikers? <gasps> I did not. So in this episode, uh, the Enterprise is going back to a science station, which... Uh, Commander Riker had helped evacuate eight years prior when he was serving on the Potemkin. They go back there. They're, they beam down to the station. They're trying to get some data from the computers there. And in walks another Will Riker with a torn up lieutenant's uniform on. Like it's it's been burned off his body somehow. And he's like all dirty and his beard is all big. Oh, it's not though. He perfectly looks like the the Riker on Enterprise. That's what I love actually. But his beard is different though. His beard is a different shape. But it's not like Mountain Man beard. No, it's like he's been cutting his own beard I, for right? the past eight years. It's, you can tell that it was like they got dressed and then the intern walked over and was like, Jonathan, Johnny, we need to yeah, like yeah, mess up your hair. Up. There you go. Or it Shoot. seems like maybe he grew his beard out for a little while or they put extra beard on his cheeks because it's like a big, it's like wider. It's not as like groomed. Yeah. The the poker scene later in the episode, that's the best moment where you can compare. Right. But no, he actually has like a different beard yeah. for his double. It's higher on the yeah. cheeks and then it goes all the way to the lip. Like Riker yeah. traditionally has like a little bit shaved. Underneath ar- Yeah. Lip. And then has like that kind of like soul patch area yeah. filled in. Yeah. So I do appreciate that it is a, a little different. But in my mind, he has like the mountain man beard from if you remember the episode where Worf like starts going through the different times. Yes. And and they end up at the very end. There's like all the enterprises and yes. one has like the Borg enterprise. Yes, yes. Yeah. And Riker is just like got a crazy beard and he's like, we're not going back. The Borg yeah, have taken yeah. over. And I, I thought he looked like that in this episode. And but he, he really it. doesn't. He's like he looks like he's been taking care of himself. <laughs> yeah. OK, um, so they find him and he's been there alone for eight years somehow he still is his own charming self sane and sane and like not talking like like Nell from Nell so they get him back and the important things that happen are that he's still in love with Deanna Troy yes which is a huge deal because they were supposed to meet on Ryza after he got assigned to the Potemkin but after Commander Riker was beamed back and Lieutenant Riker stays on the science station, Will's career started to explode and he started to get promotions and then their relationship kind of fell apart. So Deanna like still has like some sadness in her heart about it. So it's this whole, this, this is why it's called second chances. Cause it's this whole thing about like them, like rekindling their, this relationship that they had, like giving her a second chance to actually do something about it. But then of course, end of the episode, he's like, uh, I'm leaving. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. By the way, are are we going to call him the second Riker? Is he second Riker? Do we want to call him Lieutenant Riker? Do we just want to call him Tom? Spoilers, but... Yeah, and then he decides he's he's going to take his middle name. Yeah, because his full name is William T. Riker. I, yeah. I kind of... Are you a fan of uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000? Absolutely, yes. I kind of love to think that it stands for the, like, Crow <laughs> T. Robot. It's Tom like the, the Riker. William the Riker. Oh, William the Riker. <laughs> But um, 
But yeah, so I, to make sure we're not confusing, maybe we should just call him Tom. Yeah, let's call him Tom. So yeah, the, and, and like we just said at the end. Sorry if we spoiled this episode for you. It came out in the 1990s. Yeah, spoilers. <laughs> so like you said, that the transporter accident part is because apparently when, when Riker did this assignment eight years ago, there was um, some sci-fi-ness. <laughs> yeah, there was some tech. There was some techie tech. Sorry. Trek tech. I don't pay. I don't. I didn't even remember the name of like the ship he was on eight years ago. Oh I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna leave the details to you. <laughs> they You're... like tried to beam him up, but they weren't getting a strong enough signal, so they tried two transporter beams at the same time on him, so they could get a stronger signal. One one of them was working fine actually, and they beamed him up. The other one, like, still had his whole pattern in it. And bounced off the atmosphere or I think something, it was like, and then whatever bounced the interference, back. Part of the episode is that they can only go back to this station at a certain time because there's. Uh, we've watched so many episodes that it's all yeah, blurred together. But some like, sort of that there's ion storm. Ion, blah, yeah, blah blah thing. blah. There's uh, a there's a weather <laughs> thing. There's a future weather thing that happens, and they can they only have eight hours at a time. Yeah, it basically means like years go by before it's it's possible to even visit that station in the planet so that's why so much time has gone by yeah and there since... are all kinds of unreasonable obstacles in yes. place to make sure things happened the way that they happened in this episode first of all Riker is very well adjusted for somebody who's been I didn't think it was eight years when I rewatched this yeah um, that's a long yes. ass time to be by yourself and then he's like in sick bay and Beverly's like wow this bone was broken he's like yeah I said it myself and he's like smiling he's like all right i'll be in my quarters like he's just fine i think there's they give it like one one line of dialogue and 10 forward when he's with troy later yeah and she's he's like, like it's how weird. is it being around people and he's like fine and then he just goes it's strange yeah oh, wait, he says something about like it's weird talking to people and like not being able like, to do whatever i want all yeah the time. and i'm like i'm pretty sure people would have more serious yeah. issues to deal with and like also that. she's a counselor i feel like she would be diving into that more. I was actually surprised that there was not more, like, counseling. I mean, I'm not surprised, because there's actually not that much counseling that happens on the Enterprise, like, really. But I was surprised, I mean, thinking about the whole thing that happened, it's a traumatic experience for both of them. Shouldn't there be counseling for both of them at this point? Like, that's important. Uh, basically, his only issue is that he can't wake up on time uh, for the mission. Yeah. He, he's just late. He's, he's like, fine. Darn and he's, it. And he's, like, insubordinate <laughs> to himself. Yeah. That's the other thing I'm kind of curious about because... <laughs> and I realize... I, I mean, obviously, TV was different. This is 45 minutes. We got to get in. We got to get out. Yeah. Like, we know that. So yeah. a lot of things are just sort of, like, sped up. We don't have, like, a whole season to work with these story arcs. Yeah. But also... And we're not even going to remember that it's happened in the next right? episode. Right? It's just like, man, forget about it. So Riker's just immediately kind of a jerk to himself. I He's kinda... so mean. I, okay, in my notes, I have Riker's kind of mean. <laughs> and then I have Thomas is so smiley. I also have the Rikers are very mad at each other. Yeah, I kind of feel like if I ran into a double of myself and found out they went through something horribly traumatic, I, f I feel like I would be bending over backwards to... Yeah. I don't know. I feel like it doesn't totally make sense to me for Riker's character, though. He's a really compassionate character. And it seems weird that he'd be so negative right off the bat. Like, he's not... He's, he's very, like, hostile. He's really hostile. 
and I, I actually like that little bit of dialogue that Wesley and Worf have later. Where Wesley, or Data and Worf. Oh, it's Data. Yeah. No, right. Was yeah. Wesley. God. Like, Wesley. Confusing Wesley with Data. Like, how horrible am I? No. Um, but, yeah. And, and Worf's just like, maybe you're mad at your double because you see something you don't want to see. Yeah. Um, whether it's like something you left behind or something you just are. Yeah. Um, and I and I like that. It's kind of just randomly like sprinkled in there. Yeah. It's but, like, oh, maybe this is what you should be watching for. But right. <laughs> this is what um, we're doing. This is what episodes we're over in five minutes, yep. by the way. Um, <laughs> but I feel like there should have been at least like a little bit more of a slow burn where he was like, fine. But maybe once he starts talking to Troy, it gets weird. Yeah. Or, you know, maybe he just gets frustrated with his double for some reason. He embarrasses like he kind of embarrasses him by being late but i feel like he's just mad at himself even before yeah that's an like issue. if they waited until he was like but i know the station better because i was here for eight years so i'm not going to do what you just asked me to do then that would make oh. more sense to me wait is this the nightingale uh episode? nightbird nightbird yeah or if like he could play nightbird I was, I was about to say that would be perfect if oh if he picks up the trombone and he nails it so the <laughs> beginning nails nightbird the beginning of the episode is this uh wonderful 10 forward scene where i uh, love the beginning of this episode where Riker is playing um the trombone i mean this he's playing trombone with two other musicians and he's they in a are little just jazz trio. they are jamming they are just <laughs> feeling it and Troy and Beverly's really feeling it too. Yeah. She's just like da, 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 da. Um, <laughs> They're like jazz. Yeah. <laughs> and and so the the joke is that Troy requests uh Riker to do Nightbird. Um And he can't play it. And he can't play the solo, but he gets saved by the bell, so to speak, because he, he gets, gets called, called to the, the bridge. To the bridge. Um and so, yeah, that should totally be oh, it. Oh, man. Like he, yeah, like his, his clone. We're making this episode so much better right now. Oh, my God. His clone shows up with, like, like he's Tom, like, hey, can I, like, can I try it? it? Yeah. Oh, that's like, that's such a missed opportunity. I'm, I'm really upset. Anyway. Yeah. So my question about this episode. Okay. okay. So we never, ever hear anything about this transporter malfunction ever again. And this seems like one that would be like the Romulans try to get a hold of this. Oh, like, sneaky. You know what I mean? And they're like, oh, we're going to slip another transporter beam in there. And basically we're going to get a second person. Yeah. And then we'll be able to do, I don't know, like get information from them. They'll never, like the Federation will never know that they're missing. Yeah. They're disposable. Because they've had enough like sleeper agents. Right. I feel like. Oh. I'm, I'm saying like somebody finds out about this this seems like a big deal like starfleet headquarters like what is it section 31 or whatever like does some like research on it like like really like tries to replicate the accident so that they can like have like two like they can have a bunch of twin agents around or whatever like this just seems like a missed opportunity they they were just like oh this is how it happened okay now we have two records never going to talk about that again yeah you think you you think that information would kind of get out to people like, yeah hey, did you hear about what happened right too or like, many rikers or like some yeah, did, did you hear about the extra riker <laughs> so troy uh you know troy's starting to explore with tom uh and as beverly points out just because things didn't go well with commander riker doesn't mean she can't explore yeah. what will happen with lieutenant riker so I have I'm written curious. down here, oh, poor Deanna. I'm curious because I feel like you are definitely more attached to Deanna as a character yeah. than I am. So I'm really curious about your 
perspective. So in my notes right here, I have, wow, he just put a lot of pressure on Deanna. (laughs) (laughs) So you like, she goes to see him to like, because she's the counselor and she wants to make sure he's okay. And she just told the bridge crew that she would talk to to him (laughs) for, for them or like, you know, see if, see what's going on. And he like immediately just like plants a big one on her and calls her Mzadi like right away and then she's like whoa 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 <laughs> and then he's like the only reason I'm still alive is because I like hoped I would see you again oh my god like what kind of that's so much pressure to put on someone like right away and he's like I'm still in love with you and she's like Commander Riker and I like it didn't work out and we're really good friends now also, and everything's it's, it's fine it's been eight years so yeah. for all you know I'm married and have like five kids so. right he didn't even <laughs> ask her if she was like in a relationship or anything so like that was like oh my god clone of ex-boyfriend who's now one of your closest friends comes out out of nowhere and just kisses you like think of just an ex-boyfriend of yours that like you might be friends with like no i'd be like what the what (laughs) (laughs) Whoa, whoa 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 it's been eight years i'm I'm past this now. And maybe we can, you know, even though he seems to be pretty well adjusted, maybe we could say with the the aftermath of everything and the yeah. shock of being back on the Enterprise and seeing her, maybe he got, he was I was really going to say excited. Yeah. yeah. But, but like just the adrenaline of it all. Like, yeah. oh my gosh, you're here. You, you're seeing me. Yeah. This must all be happening. Yeah. This is all I've thought about pretty much. Like yeah. you said. He also did just like kiss her without her permission though. Just like out of the blue. Which also right away. like in Tuvix, there's kind of like some touching that's some a little like questionable consent. Yeah. But it's meant to be a romantic moment. Like, and it's we're not, the nineties. We're not condoning it, but like we understand. It's supposed to be a moment where he's just overjoyed. Yeah. To see and her. the kiss is weird though, too. He's just like uh Oh uh, yeah, she, she's it's an awkward kiss. Yeah, I think that's more the problem. Than it's such an awkward kiss. <laughs> but yeah, so it seems like it would be a lot to handle. That's a, like a lot to deal with. But then like there's that cute little scavenger hunt that like she obviously loves. Yes. Yeah. And it's obvious that like they they do have a connection, and I mean that makes total sense because she and Will are such good friends. I love their relationship on the show like the fact that they're so affectionate with each other but they still have romantic relationships with other people and they're totally fine with that it feels like one of the more evolved relationships in star trek to me because they're not jealous and they're just they just like love each other and they want to be in each other's lives and i think that's wonderful yeah they they care for each other yeah but very deeply but it's never that cliche of like oh one of them is always with someone else and the other one's always pining like Um, they're not pining exactly like they're fine and they finally do get together they do after the series but there's no like will they won't they it's yeah that's very true i mean they have her with Worf by the end of the show so it's like everything just makes sense and it's it doesn't feel strange ever. So like <laughs> except this ex- episode. Except this episode where there's too many Rikers. Too many Rikers. <laughs> too many Rikers. I really, really like that moment that she has with Will where he's like, You don't have to ask for my permission and then she says, How do you feel about it? And he's like, flattered. I know. <laughs> and it's kind of sweet. Like, it's because the way that he is with her is very different than the way that he is with Thomas. Like, he with Deanna, he's like, I want you to be happy. And with Thomas, he's like, I fucking hate you. <laughs> but then he's like, here's my extra trombone. 
I don't think he has an extra trombone. I think the whole point Did is he, he replicate a trombone. No, I think he 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 just says at the end because when I watched it again, I thought about that point you made. I think he just says, "I have so many things in our room that are both of ours. I figure I can at least give you this." So he might replicate another one for himself, but oh. I, but I feel like he is. He gave him, him the trombone. Unoriginal. He just, man, he should have just played Nightbird right there. Yeah, and just been like, drop the mic and like leave, <laughs> and then get on the transport pad and go. Bye. So Troy basically decides to give it a chance. Like they share a kiss and. Which, like, she initiates and stuff, so that's kind of nice. Um, yeah, it's, it's, she's totally in. Yeah. Like, it's, there's nothing about it that's non-consensual at that point. They're cute, they're being cute. Yeah, it's They're doing it on purpose. Cute scene. Yes. And, and so, of course, what happens later is it sort of, like, echoes of the past where Riker is given another position on another ship. Picard pulls some strings, and they have an assignment for Lieutenant Riker, which is a big deal, because he's been non-existent for the last eight years basically according to starfleet oh god and and that's like such a sad thing too when he's talking about like the hardest thing was that he thought that everyone thought he was dead yes he's like i thought there was like a funeral for me and like or like a memorial service and that like you know people were crying and people were sad that i was gone but in but reality in reality like people didn't even know i was yeah and life went on in somebody else yeah basically a pathetic quote like that is so sad yeah you know, he also has decisions to make um, mm-hmm. along the theme of second chances about is is he going to be as career oriented or is he going to follow this Troy thing? Yeah, now, he does bring up a really good point. Like he can't he can't really stay on Enterprise with original with Riker. Yeah, he original recipe can't. Riker. Um, <laughs> that would you know that's just so. Does that probably... mean that Thomas is extra spicy? <laughs> oh, he might be or extra crispy. <laughs> And so know. he's like, hey, when they first I, I find leave. him, he's extra crispy. Right. And then he yes. becomes extra spicy. Cool. <laughs> so he leaves and, and basically says, hey, after six months, though, I can bring family aboard and you could join me, Troy. And she says, that's the line you gave me originally with Commander Riker. And so yeah. it's sort of like it's going to repeat itself. But they, I mean, she just says, like, I'm not ready to leave just yet and so it kind of like like leaves it open but then we never hear from him again though and then and then he joins the maquis yeah in deep six nine and has a goatee i know good and it's hitting on major kira yes and then it's just like okay i guess that didn't happen well that didn't work out cool and like he's not he's not at their wedding in nemesis like he's not Oh. It's not like, you know. Can you imagine if they just, snuck that in? If they snuck in an extra Riker at the wedding. He's like the best man. I wish he'd just like been a wedding guest. He's in the band. Or he's in the band. He's in the wedding band. He's and, in the wedding band. And he's doing And, he's, and he Nightbird. plays Nightbird. Yes. <laughs> See, it all comes around, people. It all comes around. Yeah. Um, ah. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much second chances. I have a question, though. Yeah. Uh, would would you want original recipe, Riker, or are you a Tom gal? Yeah, this was like, this was a question that we talked about on Hot Minute when I was on Hot Minute. I know. And I didn't answer it. Oh. Because I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Do you have a beard preference? I think I like the more natural beard. So Tom's? So Tom's beard. Okay. But also, like, Tom is so extra crispy. So extra crispy. <laughs> I think OG. I think I'm an OG Will Riker <laughs> fan. Yeah. Yeah. Ashley Spurgeon said Thomas because he'd been alone for eight years, so he'd. Oh yes. You know. yes. <laughs> he'd be ready to go. Oh. <laughs> or it would 
maybe be yeah. way too fast. Yeah, <laughs> it would probably it would, it would probably be really quick. Anyways, what about you? What, what do you think? I don't know. I it's funny beard wise. I prefer original Riker. Yeah. Yeah, I'm also I think on the fence. Can I just pick data? <laughs> <laughs> sure, you can just pick yes, data. Yes. All right. Yeah. Um, all right. Is that wrapping up? I think that wraps it. Okay. So we're moving on to Rascals? Yeah. Let's move on to Rascals. Okay. So this is another transporter accident that happens in the same season as Second Chances. It feels... But earlier in the season. I could have sworn... If you would ask me, I could have sworn that Rascals is like a season three or four thing. Yeah. I'm surprised it's so late. Yeah. Which just is not a bad thing. I just don't know why. I was like really surprised to see it so late in the series. It's like, did um, all these actors it, just want a day off? But or? it makes sense because it has Rose. Like, so it has, yeah. it has to be later. Yeah. Because um, she's not in the very beginning. Directed by Adam Nimoy. Yes, I have that in my notes as well. Spock's son who just married Dax. I know. Um, so, hey, a little Star Trek love connection. Um, this is sort of like Home Alone in space a little bit. But, um, basically, <laughs> oh my God, that's perfect. <laughs> Basically, it is we have four characters that are coming back to Enterprise. Sorry, on Joe a Pesci would be a hilarious Ferengi. I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, terrifying. Um, <laughs> Joe Pesci as a Ferengi. If there's anyone out there that can like make a graphic of Joe Pesci as a Ferengi, <laughs> please send it. Please to send it. Larissa. I don't know. Just just like put it on the internet and find me. I don't know. I just need to see that. Um, so basically, you have Picard. You have Keiko O'Brien. Um, you have Roe and you have Guinan, who are all coming back to Enterprise on a shuttlecraft after visiting um, a planet. And again, they get stuck into some mysterious, yeah, sci-fi cloud. I am not good on the sci-fi stuff. I apologize. I mean, you might as well just call it a mysterious sci- <laughs> sci-fi cloud. Because it's Star one Trek of those, cloud. like, there's there's like a moment where they're trying to describe what it is. And I think I just wrote down, What? <laughs> it says well, wait, what a, did I say I, this is what I wrote down reversion field double question mark key sequences double question mark also RVN which we'll get to yeah and then um, uh, I wrote this is complicated and fictional they're they're coming back on a shuttlecraft um, they cross through an anomaly and um, when they get teleported back uh, surprise they are all 12 year old children <laughs> Hence the name Rascals. And so so it's interesting because the first part of this is sort of the the humor that naturally comes with all these characters, especially Picard. But then what basically happens is on their way to, I I don't, I forget if they're on their way to the mining colony already or if that happens after they get back. But they have two Romulan bird of praise decloak right next to Enterprise and Ferengi have them we love the Ferengi Um, and they have like commandeered them like they were being repaired and they somehow like grabbed them in the shipyards or something so these Ferengi happen to basically take over the Enterprise (laughs) which is pretty silly and then they are beaming down all the adults only the adults coincidentally to this planet to um to get the to mine out the materials that they want, yeah, and it all has to do for profit, obviously, because uh, they're you. And it's just how um, Picard and his uh, comrades, who are now children, how these pip squeaks, these rascals, uh, basically <laughs> take the, the ship back. Pip, pip squeaks. Pip squeaks. Yeah. Um, and shenanigans and hilarity ensues. Um, yeah, it's it's funny because I went to research this episode. I'm always curious, kind of, what the fan reaction has been, and I thought a lot of people were going to be 
really come down heavy on the premise of the child actors because they're mm-hmm. a big element of this. And I'm actually surprised like how many fans are completely okay with the premise and the child actors. Yeah. But when the Ferengi show up, they're like, oh, God, the Ferengi. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're, I mean. Yeah, yeah. How do you feel about Ferengi in TNG? I don't feel like the Ferengi are done right until DS9. I have the same. I Yeah, I think by Deep Space Nine, they knew what to do with it. Yeah, them. and they had depth. They finally had depth. But in this episode, they're just like bumbling idiots. So if memory serves me right, what's really interesting about the Ferengi is that when they made The Next Generation, they decided they needed a new threatening species of alien. They had, you know, they had already done the Klingons and they were like, we need something new for TNG. And they introduced the Ferengi. Like they were supposed to be the big threat. And I don't know if you remember in the early episodes, they have like the furs yeah. on, with the lightning behind them and they have those like laser whips. Yeah, and their and, teeth are scarier. And they yeah. debuted and it kind of was just a flop. They just were like little gobliny gremlin things. So I always felt like in TNG, they were trying to figure out what to do with them. It really just seems like they used the Ferengi because it's kids that have to take the shit yeah, back. Yeah, like no one's going to believe the kids. So they're, I mean, they're literally like running around and like tapping them on the <laughs> shoulder and being like, tag, you're it. And they're like, what? It's exactly and, Hobo Lens. And the antics, basically, yeah. So the, they take the kids and put them in the classrooms. And, you know, they're using like Alexander's toy. Yeah. I call it Space Roomba in my notes. <laughs> they use the Space Roomba to like, lure a Ferengi out of the teleporter room is an idiot and just like follows follows it it. there's a lot of coincidences and I feel like the Ferengi are the only ones that you could like it's already a stretch but it's like well we can only do this with the Ferengi yeah like a Romulan's not gonna follow a toy into the hallway yeah it'll just destroy it or it'll just be like what even was that it this this is like all hijinks it it, hijinks is a perfect word yes Um, A lot of people think this episode would be stronger if they really just focused on the whole kid aspect. Like the idea of what does this mean for all the characters? Because I I actually think they picked four really good characters to do this to. And they're all reacting very differently. I mean, obviously, Picard is the captain of the ship. and. So he's trying to just act like everything's normal. Yeah. Oh, and it like and that kid is so good too. Like I feel like they cast the kids pretty well. I have issues with the Keiko casting because I'm like now she looks Filipino, and also Rosalind Chow is Chinese and Keiko O'Brien is Japanese. There's and I, I maybe this is a good good chance for you to point out that. You know, I'm I'm Filipino. Yeah, and we, we've had conversations about, especially again in the '90s, how if people like, just get an Asian kid, people were cast as different things, and what that has meant. To, yes, yeah. yes, yeah. So like, there's I I have that issue with it. The other kids, though, the kid that plays Baby Guinan, also played Baby Whoopi Goldberg in Sister Act. Yes, I like the idea is, of just being a professional kid actor that plays younger yeah, versions of other of, actors, uh, adult <laughs> actors. So good, and she's wonderful, and she like looks like Whoopi, and she's a good actor. And then the kid that plays Ro Laren is awesome. I thought she was one of the better actors. And then little Picard, little Picard, little Picard played his nephew. That's right. And family. Yeah. Um, right after Best of Both Worlds. That's mm-hmm. that's the same kid actor who plays his nephew mm-hmm. or uncle as the running uncle. joke in yeah. that episode is. A lot of people point out that it's the Keiko O'Brien scene that really kind of is the highlight of this episode. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. obviously Kid Picard, there's interesting conversations 
he has with Troy and other people about, you know, you could go back to the academy or, you know, you have a chance to kind of study another interest and still be the youngest admiral in Starfleet. Yeah. Um, and then and be Wesley Crusher's roommate. Yes, and be Wesley Crusher's roommate. Um, you know, Roe never had a childhood. She's that's was, my favorite. Yeah, she was in a Bajoran um, like work camp for the Cardassians. So she is she's actually very bitter about being a kid. For her, it just reminds her of a very unpleasant time of her life. It's so wonderful. I mean, already Guinan and Roe's relationship has been set up. Then you get to this episode, and like Guinan's just still like poking at her which is so cute. And then, and Guinan is like so comfortable being a child. She's like, yeah, let's do this. Let's jump on the bed. <laughs> and, and Rose like still so mad about it. And Guinan's just being a really good friend. It's just, it's wonderful to, to see that relationship happen because like, that's what Rose needs the most is a good friend. And Guinan's like, I'm really good at that. I'm going to yeah. do it. And it, it kind of really is into the end of the episode. Roar, Ro, Roar, Roar <laughs> takes, she's the last one to be put back and fixed. But she takes a minute to kind of enjoy. She's, I she, love that. first of all, like, if you look at the end, she's doing crayons. She's doing, like, crazy good pieces with crayons. I love that about this episode. I love that you noticed that. You're like, yeah, wow, I'm like, she's good. Yeah, I was like, as somebody who has had their art, like, appear on TV shows and bought, I just love the idea of someone doing these really masterful pieces. And they're supposed to be, like, kid drawings. Yeah. But she's, like, a master artist. But she's um, an adult. She ha- Her brain is an adult. Yeah, but brain. Still, Yeah, yeah. But, like... like does she know how to use she her? She has like yeah, crayon. Yeah. She has like the the pack of crayons that get you at a restaurant. Yeah. And she's like, look at this amazing piece. Yeah. But yeah, in the end, like she's finally coming around to enjoying the second childhood. And Guinan is full size again, not yeah. fun size. Yeah. And she's, you know, she's like coloring with her. But Keiko, even though a lot of people might think Picard has the most to lose because he's the captain. I actually think Keiko does because Picard, if he stayed that way, could obviously, yes, like eventually be a captain again. Yeah. Keiko is married and has a kid. And if she doesn't get corrected, like she and O'Brien have this scene, which is humorous and sweet and bittersweet all at once. Yeah. Of, and also Miles is so weird. Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> My, Miles is very awkward. It's played wonderfully. But he's sitting uncomfortably on the couch and watching his now 12-year-old wife, like, get stuff off the shelf, but she can't reach it. So she's yeah. taking a stool and reaching up. And he's like, ah, I think I'll get some coffee. And she's like, oh, let me. And he's like uh double sweet and she's yeah, like i know, I know. Like, I'm, I'm your still, wife i'm still your wife yeah and he's ob- you know obviously because of the age difference now yeah like it, not just the age difference he feels weird but the fact yeah. that she is 12 years old he feels very awkward about all this and then it's heartbreaking because molly their daughter comes in and wants a story oh, so sad wants a story to be read to her and uh 12 year old keiko says great like what do you want me to read to you and she says not you i want mommy and as a parent myself that kind of broke my heart. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so God. the idea that if she she would grow up, but she would permanently be at an age where she would be more like Molly's older sister. Yeah. And then, like, I don't know what. But yeah. she, like, loses her relationships, basically. Yeah, what yeah. Like, that's that to me. And, and some people said, man, if they just had the whole episode be that, I would yeah. love it. That's some real sci-fi shit right there. Like, what would happen if you, you were just a kid forever? What would happen? <laughs> Absolutely. And you're totally right. She does have the most to lose. I have a lot of little notes here, one of which is Picard and his hair. Very cute. Yeah. (laughs) There's that shot of him like touching his hair and it's like 
he's like, wow, I have hair. You know, he's he's upset about being a kid, but he's also like, oh, I have hair. And See, then after, at the very end, when he gets beamed back into being an adult, then he like slowly touches his bald head, and it's so cute. It is cute. Do you think it goes against the whole like Roddenberry idea that like in in the twenty first century, like nobody would care? I mean, I think it's just like a reminder of what you once were, sure, you know, sure. like and and just like like it's a tactile feeling, you know, sure. like habits. Maybe, you know. maybe he's not like I don't think that he cares that he's bald, but like he then just was 12 again. Yeah. yeah. You know, and just that habit of like, oh, I can do this. Yeah. Like, wow. I can run my fingers. It's different. Yeah. Like or when you like like I I. A few years ago, cut my hair off really, really short. And after I did that, it was like, whoa, where did it all go? You know? <laughs> and, like, just taking a shower and washing my hair was weird. So I can imagine that being. And it was just, it was cute to see them both doing that. They also wrote and and directed so many little character traits into the kids' movements and the things that they did that were very good, especially with the kid that played Picard. Like, when he, like, stands he's, up and he stands in his window and yes. he orders his tea and he's, like, a little looking Picard at his, move. Yeah. A lot of those. Pulling yeah. down his shirt. Yeah. All of that stuff was really... It was nice. Yeah. And the, the Guinan um, kid actress, it really has that kind of stoic quality mm-hmm. that, you know, Whoopi gives to, to Guinan. So I, I I did feel like when I was watching it, I could imagine the dialogue being given by like the full size yeah. characters. I like yeah. how I say full size and not like adult. <laughs> full size. Half order. <laughs> Half order, full order. I only have one more note. I just want to say I love the the graphics on the kids' computer because that's one of the. Fun, oh yeah. That's one of the fun thing about watching these old episodes is just the. Oh, all the graphics because mm-hmm. it is late 80s, early 90s and so forth. And it's this fish and it reminds me of the the Microsoft Word, like Clippy, the paperclip. The paperclip. Because this fish is like, hello, <laughs> like, would you like to see some interesting animals? And I half expect it to be like, can I help you take the ship back from the Ferengi? <laughs> May I be of service? Which, of course, it's, it doesn't. It's, it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, OK. How do you feel about Picard's? temper tantrum no 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 <laughs> i want to see my father i want to see him now no 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 and it reminds me of um willy wonk on the chocolate factory oh yeah it feels like he should be is it Veruca salt that's yes. the, the really bratty character yes. i want the world yeah i want the. it just he feels like some snotty kid in that moment and it's it, but it also really does feel like this is like the way that picard imagines that children have to have yes. temper tantrums this is picard acting like a child yeah. and that's a point that guinan makes in the classroom she says you know we're kids maybe we should start acting like kids mm-hmm. and so they it, and it, it's kind of silly like the frangie really would probably just hit him over the head and shove him back in the classroom but he gets annoyed with little picard and takes him to the bridge to his father who is Riker it's so cute I mean it's he's funny he's my number one dad oh my god but, it's but wacky also, <laughs> wacky but also makes so much sense and I love I have written down here I love their cute plan um because <laughs> I do it's great it's so it's very cute it's well thought out it makes sense to me I also have written down here this is the cutest that Alexander has ever been or ever will be I, he is very cute in this episode. I actually did kind of chuckle out loud when, after seeing this montage of kid Mission Impossible Home Alone style 
you know, mission. Yeah. Um, it ends very casually with Alexander like coming out of the classroom and he's like, Ah, I found this on the floor. Is it yours? And it's one of the com badges, yeah, which is so supposed perfect. to send the Ferengi to the transporter room. But I just love that because that to me is like the most realistic. Because he's the one, he's the only one that's an actual kid. For a kid to be like, is this yours? And yeah. Instead of this like very clever, like we're gonna go through the Jeffrey tubes and then tap yeah, on the glass yeah, yeah. and you're gonna do this. And so I just love how, just how like not climatic that is compared to all the other yes. moves that they're doing. Yes. I mean, this episode's really unrealistic. <laughs> that yeah. <laughs> It took us this long to get to that. It's just really, I just don't think it's possible for it to happen in the real world, you know. <laughs> but anyway, very, very fun. Also, like another transporter accident that again, like we don't know what happens behind the scenes in fictional Starfleet, but like, are they going to research this at all? Or they're yeah, just gonna... <laughs> really, it does seem like there's some good like medical use possibly to this. Right? Or again, like. Or, like, what if somebody, somebody else runs into this anomaly and it happens to them, too? Don't we want to know, like, why it happens? We can avoid it. I don't know. Like, it just seems like they're like, oh, this happens. We're just going to fix it for these people and then no research. Well, there's also, like, episodes where people try to kind of find, like, the fountain of use, so right. to speak. So you feel like there would be another episode they could explore where, like, someone's trying to utilize this technology and it and it goes horribly wrong. Like, they that can't. It sounds like something that Ferengi would re- be after. <laughs> for profit. Yeah, for, for profit. profit. Exactly. So, yeah, weird. But <sighs> also very much enjoy this episode yeah there's episodes that i really like because they're damn good episodes Mm -hmm. and then there's ones that are just like a shitty cup of powdered hot chocolate where it's like i know it's not the best but you know what i just want it and it comforts me it feels good it's just like a bunch of fun hijinks in the same way that you were saying that that home alone is Just less violent. Oh, yeah, than I, Home I kind Alone. of almost like if they went that route. I kind of wish they went full Home Alone, but right? Give those kids some phasers. Give them a blowtorch, <laughs> tar and feather, and yeah. Oh God, no way! Man, so we just keep leading up to Tuvix, going fucking Tuvix, man. <laughs> this feels like it would be wacky Star Trek, but it on paper it does. Because basically the premise of this episode is Tuvok and Neelix. Oh, and we're in go... Voyager territory Oh, God, now. yes, thank you. So yes. we're in Voyager. So here we are. If you've never seen Voyager, we're like dropping names and you're like, what, what, what? This is this is now we're on we're on Voyager season two. Yes. Season it's, two, and, episode 40. And this is an episode I thought would no. be later. 40th episode. It's... it's the 24th episode of the second season of, of yeah, Voyager. This is way earlier than I would have guessed. Yeah. Um, so I keep messing up where my episodes are, which is kind of crazy from memory. But basically, you have two characters. They're on a planet. They're getting some flower samples who come back on board with their flower samples. And there's a transporter accident. They get merged into one being. Now, before we start, Larissa, I will say <laughs> you have a glass of wine in front of you. Um, not blood wine, just wine. Because <laughs> it's, it's something we like. Uh, preparing, <laughs> preparing for this episode and especially this you know, this episode of our podcast, but also this episode of, of uh, Star Trek, we have the name Tuvok, Neelix, and Tuvix, and my mind gets jumbled. So this is like a drinking game. Whenever you mess up a name, you got to take a drink. Oh, my and God, I can, love it. You can join us if you want to, unless you're driving. Don't do that. Yeah. It's irresponsible. Please don't. Please don't <laughs> if you're driving. So basically, they get joined, and they're trying to uh, figure out how to restore Tuvok and Neelix throughout this episode and in the meantime he's uh kind of finding his place on 
his ship, this new hybrid character, until they get the technology. And then Janeway decides, okay, we're going to split you. And he says, hey, guess what? Uh, I've been around for a couple of weeks. I don't want to die. And then ultimately uh, Janeway says, I'm going to force you to split and we're going to get Neelix and Tuvok back. And that's what happens. And we know we know they have to come back because Ethan Phillips and Tim Russ have contracts. And yes. Yeah. They, yes. Again, this is back when TV, it was very episodic and we have to reset everything by the end. So we know in 45 minutes we're going to get two Vicks and then we're going to we're going to have to split up and get the original Tuvok and Neelix back. And this episode was supposed to have a different ending. This, Ooh, I don't know about this. Yes. Okay. So I, f- I forget if it's Wikipedia or Memory Alpha that I read this, but allegedly the ending was uh, more of a what you would imagine. Um, Tuvix actually decides to basically volunteer to be separated and restored to oh. Tuvok and Elix. But then I don't know who said this. I, I meant to look it up. But somebody on the staff was like, hey, what if uh, we changed it up and Tuvix doesn't feel like going back? Wouldn't that be interesting? And I give them credit because it is interesting, but... It has also generated so many well, memes. And also, this is a lot of people... And like, Janeway's a murderer, and... You, you go online, yeah, in this episode, people are very divided on whether Janeway did the right decision or not, and we will get into that. Oh my god. So, I, But I feel like we're not here to convince anyone of one way or the other. No, because, I just want to know how you feel about sure, it. Sure, because when it comes to the writing, did they connect the dots and take us there in a satisfactory way? Or yeah. did it get kind of like a little clunky, because, the way it happens? Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm taking a drink of this wine, even though I, I haven't well, you can any names too. Yet. Yes, you can also just enjoy the wine. I'm going to do the same thing. I'm just going to start saying names wrong so I can drink wine. <laughs> right. <laughs> what happens is that, uh, yeah, you have, again, Neelox and Tuvok. They're they're put together. You said Neelox. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, my God. <sighs> That's an entirely new name, too, Neelox. Neelox? That's not even like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, good thing we saved this for the last one. I <laughs> love it. Janeway ends up dividing Tuvix, who, when um, these two characters are merged into Tuvix, for you listener, if you don't know, they kind of established very early on in the the beginning part. It's the science lab. It's not the, the sick bay, but it's the science lab. He's talking to Kess, and Kess is like, are you of two minds? is Neelix and Tuvok in there, like, talking to each other? Right. Are they trying to talk to me? And Tuvok says, no, I have their memories, and I'm, I'm, you know, physically I'm a component of both, but I'm my own consciousness. Yeah. So, He's literally a new life form. Yeah, and he even... Yes. I appreciate the fact that the, the writers, towards the end, one of the arguments that Tuvix gives when he's trying to plead for his life, basically, is he's like, I think of them as my parents. And mm. I feel like... Um, what happens is when people perceive this episode, half people say it's okay that she split Tuvix because it's sort of like the need of the many outweigh the need of the few. Right. So Tuvix versus the whole the whole versus ship. Tuvok and Neelix. Mm. You know, like, yes, um, and Kess and the kind, bridge crew and kind of. You know, Although I think that's kind Kess, of because Kess also says that she wants Neelix back. She does. 
Like, we'll get, because, yeah, there's that. Yes, mm. yes. It, it, which I, I actually have a problem with that part of the argument. Um, that they have family and friends and that makes their lives more valid. Than, right. Because it, it, yeah, yeah, it like, doesn't. Because, you know, I'm a mom. I have a child. You don't. Do, do I have any more right to live? Right. Just because I have a child and I you mean, don't? I mean, I have a cat. Yeah. <laughs> And Walter is a very yes. cool cat. And he needs yeah. me. So anyways, yeah. Like, I've convinced myself that we're, he needs me. We're getting distracted. But one of the, the points like she yeah. makes is like they have friends and family who love them. And it's like, well, that's kind of a shitty thing to tell someone that like yeah. they have less worth because yeah. they may not have as many friends or family. And then some people say, hey, look, Tuvix is just like a effect of this accident. Like basically Tuvok and Neelix might as well just have like died in a shuttle accident. And right. then and then Tuvix just like appears. He's just like some strange byproduct. Right. And he has rights just like Hugh or Lowell or Data or other mm-hmm. people we've seen in Star Trek things. I or think, the exocomps. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think for me, I think I've pinpointed why this issue is so divisive is because it really depends if the viewer is looking at this from a perspective of Tuvok and Neelix are to be saved or if they are to be resurrected. Because those are two very different things. Right, right. Yeah, I think that might be somewhat of a flaw of the writing. In a way, yeah. I mean, I also think that this is the most interesting transporter accident in all of Star Trek. Yeah, and that's why it's so divisive, because it is weird. I mean, it's not just it's not just like here's a person that's now two people. It's here's two people and they're now one person. So that that question that you're asking, are Tuvok and Neelix gone? Yeah, and and that seems to be the holdup. Yeah. For for uh, people. If they think he's gone, it's a whole different moral issue than the people and the fans who say he's just in there, the way someone might be stuck in like a um, the the holodeck, yeah, yeah, yeah. buffer and like Armand Bashir, yeah, yeah, yeah. But obviously, we're talking about a computer versus a sentient being, which is Tuvix, yeah. Which that's like, we're, and we're talking about a computer that is, has taken DNA from three different life forms because the reason they stick together is oh, the, the flower is yeah. the orchid that is created a new form of life. So to me, Tuvix is new life, and that's what. Starfleet's about is discovering new life. So the choice that they made to make it non-consensual is really painful. It feels like the writers holding these characters hostage. Like the writers mm. are the ones that are forcing Janeway to do this. Like I don't feel like Janeway would do that. Well, and it's interesting because I want to make sure... Also, Janeway is written strangely. (laughs) (laughs) That is one of the things I hear fans talk about is Voyager and especially Janeway. There's a lot of inconsistencies to the writing. Because they didn't know how to write for a woman captain. They didn't know how to... They were trying to make her tough, but they were also trying to make her soft. And they were like, how do we... They were trying to balance it and they weren't doing it right. Also, I think you have the problem of you have like like, uh, actual, you know, writers that are on the writing team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have people who are submitting scripts outside as like yeah. f- freelancers or yeah. yeah. And so I think it's also just maybe sometimes things but fell I, between the cracks. Um, exactly. Yeah. So so going back, like here, this is one of the things, Larissa. You and I cannot win when we talk about this because we're gonna no. piss. So we're gonna no. Piss there's no way off. to win. There's no way to win yeah. with this episode. This episode 
it hurts. This episode hurts in every way. It's awful. It like like well, when they're pulling him off the bridge and he's oh like begging god. for his life. It's like no, oh my god! Like how can you do this to someone when they're like screaming for their life? They're begging for their life. Like here, like he goes up to Tom and Tom's like, Argh. I'm just like all of you yes. for real. Like I I am on Tuvix's side in okay. all of those scenes. Okay, so now we're getting yeah. Because yes. I was wondering, like I'm sure people are like, so what do they think? So yeah. you're it, if we made shirts, you are. Team Tuvix. I'm Team Tuvix. Like it just, it just seems wrong. I, I have to admit, I'm Team Tuvix too. For me, it would be different if it was something where like you had a third being, but it, it was obvious that there was like a consciousness of the other two. This is such a complicated episode. It is, and that's why I think it's almost like when I go online and I find better arguments being made by the fans. Yeah. Then the arguments that are given by the characters. Yeah. That's that's where I'm like, all right, like I shouldn't be getting these like, oh, I didn't think about that moments from. Right. Yeah. The, you know, it's like uh, we joke about like writing ideas for the show. But yeah, when Joe Schmo online comes up with a better argument for why Janeway should split it up than the actual than the episode, writers did. Yeah. Then that's where I have yeah. a problem where it's like, OK, yeah, I, I think people talk about this so much because maybe it was it got it got a little clunky yeah. and just kind of sudden at the end. It yeah. was Absolutely. Like, hey, we got five minutes left. We got to move this episode. Yeah, so, so he's got like three minutes to fight for his life and then we're just, we just got to do this, okay? The other thing about it that makes it so hard to not be on two Vix's side is that the actor they got to play him Ooh. is awesome. Tom Wright is great. I couldn't remember if they actually had one of the, you know, Tim Russ or Ethan yeah. Phillips play. Uh, but like they Vicks. got this guy who who like with the makeup on looks yeah. like both of them. I think Tom Wright did an awesome job, and I and I guess find out for, I found out from my research that Tom Wright actually knows Tim Russ pretty well from the acting Aww. world because they often um, would audition for the same roles. That's really really cute. And he had worked with Ethan Phillips before and other things, so it just happens to be yeah. Yeah, but I yeah I thought the makeup um, on him is great. Like he he does a beautiful job of like he's the right shape. Like everything ab- about yeah. him is right. And the physicalities and yeah. the inflections of the voice, and he does it. I feel like a good job of really melding the two yeah. characters. So you act the the problem then is you you kind of grow to love him. And that's kind of one aspect of the episode too is that he he ends up being a better chef than Neelix. Mm-hmm. And they kind of mentioned in a way he's almost a superior tactical officer because he follows uh, the intuition of a non-Vulcan humanoid, basically. Yeah. that he, he says at one point, he's like, I had a hunch, you know, so he solves yeah. a problem quicker. I, I guess I'm going to segue a little bit into other episodes of Star Trek because this is where I feel like maybe comparing it to some other things about Star Trek starts to show some of the holes in the writing. Uh, so let's go to that scene. That's one of my favorite scenes, by the way, where there's two lines I love. I don't want to die. And also, doesn't anyone see that this is wrong? Oh, God, it's so painful. <laughs> and it's like, nope. And, and I just think... And when... like everyone's just like looking at their feet. Well, and it's weird because go if you go back to... Hugh and I Borg. Yeah. You have legitimate concern for people to not trust or want a Borg on the ship. Right. Uh, between Guy and Picard and just like all the whole crew, basically, because yeah. he's a Borg. But also, Hugh had an advocate. Like, Hugh had more than one advocate. Uh, he does. Two, yeah, Tuvix doesn't have an advocate. But Tuvix is supposedly friends of everyone. Even yes. Chakotay's yes. like, I count myself one of his friends. Yeah. And like, Kess. Well, his advocate is the doctor. 
The doctor, he's, because the doctor refuses to perform the procedure. He's the only one who opposes it. Yeah. yeah. He says, I will not harm a patient. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like everyone's just sort of quiet on the bridge when uh, Neil, um, yeah. Okay. I got to take a drink. <laughs> when Tuvix is pleading for his life. And it's, it's such a contradiction when you think about um, Hugh, who at the end has Jordy crusher even yeah. Guinan and Picard yeah. come around and they're like we're not comfortable yeah like Beverly from the beginning is like this is a living this thing. is my patient this is my patient I've, I've already made a commitment I'm a doctor I'm not gonna let him die yeah. like from the from the top of the episode there's somebody fighting for him and with Tuvix it's like everyone's <laughs> just like uh so that's just kind of like a weird thing the it's fact... so weird and, and, and they're to... like he's my friend but uh <laughs> i'd rather my other friends back yeah it's it's just like it's fucked up it's mo- that's the thing about it okay that's the thing about the episode that fucks me up the most <laughs> is that everyone is an asshole like no one has a problem with it which yeah I, which I feel like there'd be somebody who's like hey guys maybe I right don't know. like he is so alone and like he's written in this way and he's played beautifully by tom wright like he's written in this way that like is supposed to make you love him and then you do love him and then they kill him and then everyone's like oh, okay oh cool and then everything's back to, it's just like what <laughs> and then Wait, and then next week on like you Voyager. wrote him for me to love him and now you're gonna just kill him and i'm sure that's supposed to be you know some people would say like well that's what makes this decision harder well and, yeah but it's it's also what makes this decision so fucked up yeah and i obviously if it was just like uh he was an asshole <laughs> yeah, it like be, if he sucked, it would be much easier. It would be diff. It would be. It would be easier, but also it morally wouldn't. Still, would not be right if he. Yeah, yeah you know, would... if he wasn't consenting to the procedure. So yeah, and there's also no follow up with Neelix and Tuvok at the end being like, "So, do you remember any of that?" I I totally thought we were gonna have a scene with at least Janeway and Tuvok having tea, right, like in her room that night, and Tuvok somehow talking to her about it, like consoling right. her. And I just wish some of the arguments in the episode were strong because there's yeah. Janeway. There's never at any point where I'm really like, oh, maybe I didn't think about that. Maybe we should divide two Vicks. But again, I think that goes back to whether you think this is about saving Neelix or Tuba resurrecting or yeah. resurrecting them. And those yeah. are yeah, that's kind of like different issues. Because yeah. um, also, I had just asked you if you saw the episode. I think it's just called Phage, which is the, yeah, the fourth where they, episode. They take his lungs out. Yeah, one of the Vidians. Who, if you don't know these characters, they're a race of aliens that are basically their species for hundreds and hundreds of years have been ravaged by a virus, and they look very Frankenstein ragdoll esque because what they have to do is steal organs from other alien species to survive. Yeah, yeah, they basically like steal and savage salvage other organs. They harvest them. That's what they call them. It's like an organ harvest thing. I love the idea. You want the backstory? You can watch Star Trek Insurrection. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love the idea of that species, by the way. So Neelix has his lungs stolen by one of these so aliens. Up. And then when they finally catch up to them, they're like, you know, they say, give us the lungs back. Um, they have they have like hologram lungs. <laughs> hey, and Neelix. give us the lungs back. What the hell? Give us the lungs back. And they say, hey, we already put them in this guy. And Janeway just says, well, my morals don't allow me to kill you to save my crewmen, even though this. So this alien has just stolen Neelix's lungs. So that's. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And yet she. I didn't even think about that. Holy shit. I have to admit, someone 
brought that up in my research and I was like that's a that's a that's a really good point just, just and with also the are we just like shitting on Neelix all the time like we're just shitting on Neelix my, you guys just for the record I really like Neelix also I, I have to admit like, y'all can I, shut the fuck up <laughs> I like I like this episode this is another I do fun, this, is, this is a fantastic episode yeah as much as we're talking about make maybe the the writing is clunky yeah, yeah, or like, like questionable yeah you know I, this is another episode I was like genuinely excited to watch um, yes because uh, of Tom Wright and the it, the premise is very fun the premise is this is this is like why I watch Star Trek this kind of shit like the the kind of shit that's like <laughs> all the way out there sci-fi that like would never come up for any reason in like any other genre two people get transported technology that does not exist and they become one thing something that has never happened yeah like this is it's all that all the what if it's all the imagination that's why this episode is so much fun and also so like what yeah yeah also another thing i wanted to bring up was just like an episode that i think does a really good job of kind of like that gray area but what i really want to talk about was measure of a man um, mm. which is the the season two episode of Next Generation where Data is, basically that's where they decide Data has rights. Yeah, and, and a, that he's sentient. And he's yeah. a sentient being. It is and, one of the most, it's widely regarded as one of the best episodes of Star Trek. It, what I love about that episode is, um, obviously we're rooting for Data from the very beginning. There's no question about that. You know? Oh, yeah. But what I like is that there's moments throughout the episode where... Um, Maddox. Maddox, thank you. Yeah. Where Maddox um, makes good points to oppose this goal, or even Riker when he has yeah, his dramatic... Yeah, when he, like, turns him off and he, like, takes off his arm. Yeah, and you're just like, oh, shit, they're making good points. Like, I want Data to win and stuff, but, like, how, how are we going to convince them? Yeah. And- oh, there's that one scene, too, where... Riker's like yes. looking stuff up on the computer and you see his face yeah. like you see him smile like oh I just figure something out and then he like he realizes he what realizes that, that, that yeah so oh, that's like a very nice Jonathan Frakes acting moment <laughs> congratulations Jonathan Frakes on that moment I liked it golf clap yeah <laughs> um, but so I just it, again for me with this two Vix, it's a fun episode I really like the premise but when you see kind of moments in Star Trek history where I feel like they really manage that gray area better. Mm-hmm. It feels like Tuvix, unfortunately, in in the last act, kind of falls short. Yeah, with, missed the mark with the argue with the argument. If we had more of Tuvix interacting with Janeway, or at least as much of Tuvix interacting with Janeway as we saw Tuvix interacting with Kess, because like for all intents and purposes. Tuvok's best friend on the ship is Janeway and yeah Neelix's best friend on the ship is Kess so like we get a lot of Kess Tuvix time but we don't get any real Janeway Tuvok time I can't believe I said all the names right I'm still drinking (laughs) for so for me to wrap up I totally understand why Bones and Barclay and Pulaski hate the transporter. Oh yeah, because that shit is scary. Right. I'm not saying that I wouldn't participate. I'm. I'm pretty sure, uh, knowing myself, that I would be like, "Get me in that transporter. Let's go." But at the same time, it is a huge risk, and everyone is always downplaying it all the time. They're always like, "It's just a transporter," and here's yeah. like, and here's Bones like, "Absolutely not. I will not do that." And with good reason <laughs> like come on it's it's horrifying out of all the accidents we've talked about which for you if you had to have a transporter accident happen to you 
what would you want? Mm. Turn to a kid, uh, doubled, or combine yourself with me. Oh, that could be fun. And I thought about this. Like, our name isn't very exciting because it's Lauren and Larissa. We basically share. A lot of So letters. it would be like, no, well, it's like our first names pretty much start the, the same. Larissa. So it would be Larissa. <laughs> Larissa, which or, is or, what my whole dad's side of the family calls me. Larissa. Uh, or with like their Midwestern Lala? accent. Lala. So which one? We would be so good at so many things. Like, we would be extra good at Star Trek. <laughs> Or extra bad. It kind of it kind of depends on your opinion after listening to us. Uh, yeah. I think I think I would be doubled, and yeah. I would be a lot nicer to my double. So yeah. this is interesting. I was a twin in the womb. I was oh. a twin, uh, and I absorbed <gasps> my twin. Are you serious? Yeah. Whoa. Uh, creepy. Creepy and disgusting. But that interests me a lot because I often wonder what my life would be like if I had not absorbed my twin. What's your middle name? Maria. Mine's Marie. That's kind of weird. So mm-hmm. so should we call your, your your double Maria? Yeah, my double's Maria and your double's Marie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But like interesting to think about like what that would be like. I think as well, same that I would be like a lot kinder to my double. Yeah. But also I'm sure that I would see things in myself that would especially if like it was just like, you know, somebody split off from adult me instead of like a different person that grew up. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Uh, I feel like I would I would probably be like, oh, my God, shut up. <laughs> do I really talk that much? Do I really talk that much? Yes, I do. All right. Well, I guess that wraps up. That uh, wraps up our very first episode of Into the Wormhole. And boy, did we go into, into the wormhole. The wormhole. Yeah. I think we're going to make sure we uh, keep it a little more uh, concise next time. But we thank you for following us uh, down here and hopefully you can get out. Yeah. Hopefully <laughs> yeah, you can have a conversation with the wormhole aliens and everything's going to be okay. <laughs> and we'll see you next time maybe we'll be in the gamma quadrant maybe we'll be in the delta quadrant maybe we'll be in the alpha quadrant we don't know <laughs> find us in the collective at into the show on instagram at into the podcast into the wormhole is brought to you by we own this town she likes plants. She likes plants, y'all. She's a plant lady. She spends a lot of time in the arboretum.